Welcome to the Topic of Conversation with your host, Rob Scoggins, Jr. Hi, everybody. I'm Rob Scoggins. I'm the host of the Topic of Conversation. We are here at Brooklyn's downtown Denver, the original Brooklyn's. That's right. We, we are actually 100 yards away from where the Broncos play. And I, I love being here with Diane and the gang and, 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 Kate, and, Kat, and Kat over there who's working real hard. And they come down sometime uh, during an evening on Wednesday night. Come down and join us here at the Topic of Conversation. Uh, next week will be politics. Tonight is marketing. So we pick great topics and great guests to entertain you and also to educate you here at the original Brooklyn's every Wednesday night from 6 to 8. And I could not do this without my incredible staff that I get to work with on a day-in and day-out basis. My production assistant and marketing uh, director, Jess. Yeah. And, of course, my technical director and um, uh, chief editor, Will Hartman. And then my director-producer uh, back there, Matthew Schiff. I could not do this without them. Uh, they're an outstanding group to, to work with on a week-in, week-out basis, and, and so happy to have them involved in the show and here at uh, Original Brooklyn's. So if you are interested in uh, booking a sh- uh, you know, if you if you have a party coming up or an anniversary or something festive, uh, talk to Jimmy or Diane or anybody here about something to do. Uh, they have a they have a beautiful patio. They have a great upstairs. They have a ton of room in the main in the main bar, uh, and they will book your party. They have great food, great drinks. They've been here forever. Uh, the building is a historical landmark here in Denver, Colorado. It is the original Brooklyn. So check it out at the original Brooklyn's Facebook page, and uh, talk to them immediately. I am once again I'm Rob Scoggins, and this is the topic of conversation. Welcome to everyone in the live studio audience in the 40 countries around the world that listen to us every week on our podcast, thetopicofconversation.com, on iTunes and SoundCloud. And we are here every Wednesday night at the Original Brooklyn's. And tonight's topic is marketing yourself and marketing in general. It's a hard thing to do, but we have a guy here who has been doing it for a long time. And he is also was a, a wonderful child actor uh, in, in video and screen and on Broadway uh, way back and in his day, in our day. And he has come a full circle uh, all the way to help you market. He is the CEO of Daryl Stern uh, is, uh, Storming uh, Marketing. He, he'll explain that to you uh, shortly. And we want to welcome to the show, Daryl Stern. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? What is the official name of your company? The official name is Stern Inbound Marketing. Stern Inbound Marketing. And how long? And you've been doing this for? Uh, Since the beginning of all this web stuff around 96, 97. That's amazing, right? Mm -hmm. It's amazing it's that old. Mm -hmm. And it's not even, I mean, people people don't even know that YouTube's just turned 10 years old. Wow. And then Facebook's not even 10 years old yet. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty amazing. This stuff grew overnight. And um, let's talk a little about you. You are originally from the Jersey Shore. From New Jersey, yes. Grew up in, born in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Grew up in Edison, New Jersey. Is that close to Summit? Is that central? No, Summit is up north by Madison where I went to college. And then it's central, Middlesex County. Uh It's the intersection of the New Jersey Turnpike, the Parkway, the 287. My uncle uncle was an Episcopal priest in Atlantic City. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's close to you, right? Yeah. Pretty close. I mean, you know, Jersey, it's an hour or two anywhere, you know, in any direction. You can get anywhere you want. But you don't have that Jersey attitude. You're kind of a a laid-back, cool guy. Yeah, just you wait a minute. Oh, oh, yeah, it comes out? Just wait. Oh, it comes out. It's, you know. A few drinks in you? Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Um, Once I get my zing... (laughs) Um, there you go. Get your, you got you got a thing for Zing like I do. X I N G T dot com, and um, check it out. The the when you were young, yes, uh, we're we're both about the, we're both the same age. Um, so when did you when did your parents decide? Hey, let's let's see. You know, when did you knew you had talent to be a child actor? Well, I was I was kind of shy as a kid, and I had a hearing loss, 
Okay. And supposedly what my parents told me is that I started speaking and then I stopped speaking and I was kind of shy and da da da. And they wanted to get me out of my shell. So they took me to the Vern Fowler School of Dance there in Colonia, New Jersey. And I got started in musical theater class. And back then, this is, you know, 74, 73, sure. whatever. So the, the teachers there, Vern Fowler, she was from the vaudeville days, you know. Oh, wow. So it was all that big, you know, hi, we're the Vern Fowler kids, and we're here to entertain you, and all that. So like the Little Disney, Rascals type yeah, thing. Yeah, Little Rascals kind of thing. So mm -hmm. that was my first um, experience in that, and doing, you know, tap dance classes and, and little musical theater classes, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Now, the, you, were, you were talking about... Um, going there and being shy did you did you um did you learn sign language did you have to learn sign language no in fact i can hear every word that you're saying it's really funny yeah. because i have a sensory neural hearing loss which means the nerve mm -hmm. is like the wires cut on the left side and it's partially on the right side but you know here's what you can hear and here's speaking and here's what i can hear sure. like somewhere in there but if i'm in a crowded bar i hate going to crowded bars because the background noise of people talking blends in with you trying to talk to me so I'll be leaning in with my ear, like yelling and trying to hear you. I, you know, and of course, most of the social scene is always, you know, sure, loud music and all that kind of stuff. When you, when did you realize, um, or when did, when, when, like in the, in the, in the, in that day? Of course, obviously your, your teacher was a vaudevillian, but they're called gigs. You got your first gig. You got your first mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. How old were you when you first got your first gig? Well, I, when I was seven and a half years old, they were doing a production of Pippin, the Broadway show. At uh, Kane, it's now called Kane University. It used to be called Kane College mm -hmm. in Union, New Jersey, where my dad was a philosophy professor. So they needed a young boy to play the part of Theo, who is the woman that he, you know, eventually falls in love with. So I got, you know, the part. So this is my first experience. I like, memorized all the songs, and I was telling them their lines when they couldn't remember them, and <laughs> I just loved it. The dichotomy, which we'll get into, you know, was so I was at night, or you know, I was with adults. You know, and then eventually I had an agent and got started sure. getting plays in New York City and all that. So at night I had a career. I was working with adults. Sure. I was getting paid. Then you had to go back during the day and deal with fourth grade and bullying and getting made fun of sure. and all that. And it was it was a, a kind of a tearing you know experience because yeah. I I really liked the nightlife you know or having an, a, a career and and having and working with adults. You now was know, your younger so. brother involved? No. No, well, he started to, he's a public defender oh. in New York City. He turned out to be a lawyer, which is funny because my father was a philosophy professor and my uncle was a criminal attorney mm. in, in Philadelphia. So it's kind of like some parallels. But Sweet. I always say I was the prototype model. You know, I'm the one with all the, with all the different issues and problems and stuff. And then they fixed everything. And, and here comes my that, little brother. Yeah, brother six years later, yeah. Yeah, and then the, weird, the funny thing was when I started to talk back to my parents, you know, it's like, what's with this know-it-all attitude? What is this? You know, you can't talk to people. If you talk to people this way, you'll never get anywhere in life. That was my father. And then by the time my brother, who was an absolute brat, my little brother, sure. started to talk back. It's, oh, this is normal childhood development for sure. this age. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. It's fine. Burned me up. Made me very angry. How, there. how old is, um, so your first gig was at age four or six? What was it? Well, Six? at seven, seven, and then seven. I was in another, and then in, and then in New York City, a professor there at the college was drawing the playbill, the poster sure. for an off-off Broadway theater called the Wonder, the Wonder Theater or sure. something. And they did a play called The Desperate Hours, which was about uh, people being held hostage in their house in the fifties. So I was in that play. So that was my, you know, second time now in New York City, yeah. you know, doing that. Um, are we continuing on with the acting career? Yeah, I keep absolutely. Going? Okay, yes. so then 
Then I was the understudy in a play called Three Acts of Recognition, which is a German translation of a German play. And in that play was the guy who played the EPA guy in um, Ghostbusters, the red-headed guy. Yeah. This, was, this was all before all these movies came sure. out. So I was an understudy. So is that Rick Moranis now? No. no. Oh, yeah, but Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, Rick, yeah, 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 yeah. Rick, Rick Moranis, Moranis and Dan yeah. Aykroyd and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So um, I would annoy the heck out of him because I would come up to him and say his monologue. Right. Just like recite it, and he would be like, you know, get away from me, kid. So then uh, that was directed by a guy named Richard Foreman, who was a very abstract, he's one of the top, you know, bizarre abstract directors of theater in New York. I finally got to be in the show. The stage manager saw me, said, this kid is good. So then in the summer, I was uh, at the Shakespeare Festival, which is in the Delacorte Theater in Central Park. They have an sure. amphitheater, and they did Moliere's Don Juan. In that... Well, you're getting quite an eclectic grouping there. You've gone from Pippin to, to, yeah, uh, to a, a stage to play. Absurdist to absurdist theater to, yeah, to, to Shakespeare. Yeah. Well, this was called the, the... Well, it's still there. It's called the Public Theater, which yeah. used to be a gentleman by the name of Joseph Papp, yeah. who was the head of that and supported okay. theater down on 4th Street in Manhattan. Uh, so then in Moliere's Don Juan, I was kind of like an extra. There were lots of people that were used as props, and we had pose and weird ways and run around. And, and, uh, but in that was Roy Brooksmith, who went, in, went on to be in the first Total Recall movie when he goes and he goes to Mars and, and the overweight guy that's sweating and he yeah. can tell that he's sweating, that's yeah. Roy Brooksmith. Okay. Uh, Kelly McGinnis, who went on to sing the song in Top Gun, was sure. in that. I found this out 20 years later. Oh, of like, course. I didn't yeah, put you, this together. research. Anyway. Thanks to the internet, right? And then the guy who played the one-armed man in the Fugitive movies like, was in it. Okay. So, like, it's funny, because then you look at, yeah, it, you know, it's, it's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon. How, how, pressure, how much Joe. pressure is on a child actor to be... Well, my parents, my parents Because you, did you always not, have a young look? Have you always looked young? I mean, have you always looked like, you know, like Michael J. Fox has always looked young. He yes, just I, I have that, and the Ralph Macchio, you know, the Karate Kid, you know, yeah. when he was in his 40s, and he's the Karate Kid. Yeah, I've always, I've always looked young, uh-huh. you know, and um, uh, which, which gets better with age. Sure. You know, the older that you get, the younger that you look, you know, it's better with age. But um, I don't know. What's your next question about that? No. So when you when you when so when you were in, when you were in New York mm-hmm. uh, and you had an agent, I mean, how badass did you feel? I mean, you, you, knew, well, okay, you, knew, so, you knew you were a different kid. You knew that child acting is not a normal life. Well, like, this the, is not what every kid I, does. I used to see out on the street in New York. A mom grab her daughter or son by the arm and yank the kid and smack the kid and you know you didn't get the part or you didn't do well. Yeah, like my, my parents like mommy just dearest. wanted me to. <laughs> yeah, my parents just wanted me to explore and do, you know, whatever, whatever you know, whatever artistic outlet we wanted. You know, piano lessons or dance lessons or whatever it was, and they were just like wanted me to explore everything that I could, you know, do. So. They were just like, you know, you want to quit this. Did the kids pick on you? Did kids pick on you saying that you're weird and you're a wrong guy, you should be doing this? So in fourth grade, when I'm in this off-Broadway show and I'm that thing, my mom, super proud of me, tells the principal of school. So here's the principal of school, you know, attention all students. We have a very special <laughs> announcement. Daryl Stern, one of our fourth graders, is in an off-Broadway show in New York City. And he might as well have said, this kid thinks he's special and better than you. So you will ostracize him. Never any of you date him or anything and, you know, never go near him through yeah, all high school. Well, you, you know, that's, it was, it, it was kind of off-putting because the reaction that I saw on the other kids' faces was, who does this kid think he is? So again, I had yeah. this weird dichotomy between my career during, you know, and, 
Isn't it a nice gift? I mean, isn't it? What uh, what faith were you raised? Uh, Well, my father was a philosophy professor, and my mom. No, was was so everything uh, it, yeah so my mom and my dad was uh was was jewish so i'm okay. half jewish and half protestant that's why i try i really do try i swear <laughs> to buy wholesale but then i charge it <laughs> yeah and then on the other side i'm german english and french wow you know whatever so sure. no i so wasn't they, raised with yeah. the, the my parents didn't believe in 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 raising a kid with the with indoctrinating a child with the fear of god yeah. that there's something's going to punish you or the you. fear of being on stage right, or being they, being yourself well, okay, so I don't have stage fright. That doesn't bother me. And right, most of the time not. when you're on stage, it's like you're in your own little world. You can't right. see the audience. You don't even see them. bright lights, you don't even see them. But when I first moved here after my divorce and I'm trying to go to these networking events, I'm like, I'm like is everyone staring at me? Do they realize I'm not from here? Like everybody's got their clicks. Yeah. And just to stand there and try and start a conversation with total strangers like petrified me. Sure. You know, but I... But it give you a yeah, script. Give you a script and put you in front of them. Give me a script and put me in front of them. Put me on stage. You're fine. I, yeah, I did... Well, we're jumping ahead, but I did stand-up comedy in the 90s. How, how, how intense... Uh, was your childhood because of that? I mean, you had to go to school. You went to traditional school. You weren't. You weren't because nowadays, Disney and some of these some of these companies have their own little schools for these child actors, uh-huh. where they go to school for five hours, act for the rest of the day, go home. Right. You know. So you didn't. You didn't have that. No, benefit. I was you went straight, regular. Yeah, you went to straight to school. Yeah. Then you went so, and did this at night. So, so then when I got first, to be sixteen, seventeen, yeah, high 18, school, the high man, school. I wasn't a cute little kid anymore, right. and I was starting to get overweight and whatever. And, and you grew out of your kid. And so I'm not, you know, I'm not a type. You're you not know, getting booked. Casting. You're not getting booked much anymore. No, I'm not getting booked much anymore. So then I started writing. I started writing plays. So I wrote a play um, at first called The Backseat Crisis about my parents and how they would argue in the backseat of the car and yell at each other when we would try to drive That's around. It's kind of fun. So then I went to the New Jersey Young Playwrights Festival. I was a semifinalist or something in that. And I went there and I noticed that, you know, the plays that they, that they had picked were about like a, a police officer who had, you know, gotten shot and the daughter was trying to deal with it and all these kind of really dramatic family problems. So I went back to work and wrote a play called The Escape from Eaton, okay. which was a kid that was being... Um, molested in his home and and, and uh, he fantasized, he, the only way he can communicate was like talking in Dungeons and Dragons. Like he had oh, wow. a, an imaginary friend called Grumble Snaps and all this. So that then was a finalist in the National Young Playwrights Festival. That was my, my senior year. Wow. And then I thought, you know, I'm you're going gonna, to be a, gonna, playwright, yeah, a playwright, you know, sure. or a screenwriter. Something's so that's what I went to college to do. And by the time I was a senior in college, they put on a full length And where'd play. you end up going? Drury University, yeah. which is in Madison, New Jersey. Yeah, Drury. Yeah, yeah. and um, Buzz McLaughlin, uh-huh. he's still around, and he, uh, he's an amazing writing teacher. And Joe Patnode, who unfortunately passed away, um, directed uh, the play that I wrote. And it was quite amazing, you know, to, be, to captivate people with a two-hour, you know, script that I wrote, you know, about me and my... It was funny in hindsight, my perspective. It now, did, like, you make yeah. money, did you make money to go to college... Uh, through voice acting, when you were, when you were doing voice acting, did you get any of that? Did you get any of those checks, or did mom and dad just say, "No, we're, we're going to put it in the bank, and you can use it for college later"? Well, no, I don't. I don't honestly know because the funny thing is that. Uh, so I was because we know theater. what Gary Coleman's parents did. I don't think that happened. No, to you. no, but I was doing theater, and then and then I got this commercial for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred Ms. Pac Man cartridge. Oh well. 
Honey, don't you know I'm more than Pac-Man with a bow? No, it's a commercial. <laughs> and they and and I was that was with, it. That's, yeah, that was it. And I was on TV for uh, for uh, uh, you know. Now, did three you seconds. did you sing the jingle? Or you were in the commercial. No, no, no. no. I was in the commercial, the so I was on there. So I could do a great deadpan. Sure. Right, which is no expression in your face, which they can't see, and maybe I can do it over here, but you know, it's just like. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, totally like surprised or something. So, so then my parents. It was on during the Winds of War, which was a mini series sure. that Atari supposedly paid a billion dollars to have their ads on this World War II mini series. So, sure the enough, they opened that. They Winds opened, of War. So this was in the eighties. Yeah, it was in yeah. the eighties. Oh yeah, with the old model ships sure. that oh, they yeah. put on the tanks of water and uh-huh. filmed it. So then, um, my parents got a check for you know eight thousand dollars for well, me working for half a day for you know, atari pays well so then it was you know let's send the kid in on more commercials <laughs> <laughs> so then the other so the other two died was in a scope commercial scope presents paid eight the way grand. it was paid eight grand for yeah, the atari eight grand commercial. That's for not like bad. a day yeah exactly good. well it all depends That'd in the good. 80s that was I mean now it'd be what 18 grand I have no, I have no, I have who, no yeah, who knows? concept, yeah, you know, know, you know yeah. what the perspective is. Yeah. But, all, I mean, my parents were always putting money back into, you know, back into us Good. and all that kind of stuff. So, so they didn't, they, they weren't, you didn't have Gary Coleman's parents. No, I didn't have Gary Coleman's parents, and, you know, I never made that much, maybe like 20 grand. What were you whole. most proud of, of, of your work from age, let's say, 7 to 18, your childhood? What, was you, what, were, what were you most proud of? And then we'll talk more about your, your script writing and going to... Okay, media. well, I landed a part as, um, you know, Schoolhouse Rock. Sure. Conjunction, yeah. Junction, I'm Just a Bill. Well, yeah. in the 82, great, pro, great educational program. They decided to make some cartoons called Scooter, Computer, and Mr. Chips. Nice. And this is about teaching kids about what this a scooter was. This is a series, kind was. of a series. Yeah, this was the only Schoolhouse Rock that was a series. There were eventually four of them made. Mm-hmm. And, and let, me, let me just explain to the listening crowd. The, the Schoolhouse Rock is a program that ABC... And it, did you would, back in the day, kids, there was only one day to watch really cartoons, and that was Saturday morning. And they would put Schoolhouse Rock in between uh, the great cartoons like Scooby-Doo and Flintstones and some of the others mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, that were educational and, and helped. And that's well, what Schoolhouse Rock was. It was required by law. You know that? It was required by law that if they had children's television, they had to do some kind of programming that was educational. Wow. So it was an advertising firm called Newell and Yui which was, you know, thought of this thing for the Schoolhouse Rock and all that. So it was really an advertising brilliant, film brilliant. for him doing it. Yeah, so, brilliant programs. Because they, uh, they did math and history and, and global and, and everything. I mean, they did oh, it yeah. all. And then now the, and the chips and, the, and now the computer. Yeah, so... This new, com- this new concept in the 80s, this computer thing. Well, yeah, it goes, when school lets out, I race right home. I'm faster than the bus. I just can't wait to see my friend. Who's come to live with us? He's quite unique, this friend of mine, like none you've ever seen. He's full of fancy circuitry. Instead of fingers, he has keys, and where a normal face should be, he's got a special screen. There you go. That's and awesome. the computer was a big giant. Now, terminal which, which one were you? On, I was scooter computer. You were, I was you were the, the skateboard kid. You were the guy who was got on the skateboard. A computer, right? Yeah. So the so funny. So you own the computer. Well, the funny thing about it, okay, so now, so this scooter was teaching... The, scooter the... No, it's Scooter Computer, that's scooter my name. Com- that's your name. And Mr. Yeah, Chips. And Mr. Chips. And Mr. Chips was voiced by a guy named Bob Caliban, who was the king of voiceovers. He did the Tidy Bowl Man and Morris the Cat, and he was like... Huge. The, like, voiceover guy in the, of, 80s. Like, the 80s and all that. Yeah. So the funny thing about Morse it is... Morris the Cat from Nine Lives. There's the, one... Yeah. yeah, there's one... So, the, so basically they were saying how, like, a computer can't think... All a computer can do is, is, you know, solve problems and take in data and run software and just give you the answer that you need. 
which is funny because now today even people think that these machines and these are somehow thinking yeah. you know or something and, and yeah because my, my computer my computer died yeah computer, they're just, they're just following die. instructions so pablo picasso said computers are useless they can only give us answers because a calculator right can yeah. figure out the math quicker but it's the human experience of then that leads us to another discussion and another problem and another search for more knowledge you know what i'm saying it's just and, a and tool back then, that and back then when we were, when we were kids computers were massive Oh I mean, yeah. The, well, the, the, well, yeah. The, I, my parents so, right so, now until got you me, started doing your commercial. Was, I, yeah. yeah, when I was in the OnePlay, the Apple IIe had come out. This oh, had geez. 64 megabytes, megabytes, right? And a five and a quarter inch floppy disk, and um, and uh, you know, 64k of memory, and and uh, that cost two thousand dollars at the time, which wow. gosh knows was seven thousand. I don't know Maybe what. Maybe a lot now. You know, a lot now. But I wrote, I, I got a computer, and before that I had a, an Atari 400. Oh, the boys would like that. Yeah, yeah with, a, with a computer Will and Matt basic, would be all over that. Well, basic was beginner's all-purpose symbolic instruction code, as Mr. Chip says in uh -huh. the scooter computer. So you pop in the thing, and you program, you know, you, you make your program. So I learned basic. So I was always, okay, right and left brain. Like I liked, the other thing was I, I could have been a comp sci major, but I can't get past basic algebra. I absolutely can't <laughs> yeah, do math. math. My brother says, you know, what's seven and eight? I go, yeah, I'm looking at my fingers, you know, 15. And then he goes, what's eight and seven? And I go, oh yeah, 15. You know, like I, it <laughs> yeah, takes me a second sure. to do it. So, um, uh, so I, what I believe is that computers are logic machines you know if anybody's a programmer out there a coder you know it's if then else you know variables compare this to this if this equals that then go do this or run this subroutine sure so i took to that like a duck to water so along the way here i'm doing theater and then i'm tinkering on the computer which then of course starts to merge when this whole internet thing comes out now there. abc and this marketing this marketing company do they give you a computer for being scooter computer no no i did not get a computer Those jerks i didn't you think that Apple or IBM would no, tap but, into that? <laughs> here's say, something. Hey, hey, kid, here you go. So it was a buyout. Oh. Because it was a public service announcement. Oh, of course. I got paid one fee to record it, and that was it. Now, I don't know what other public service announcements are currently for sale as CDs and DVDs and have sold millions of copies. Correct. So I'm kind of like... Is, not is, Scooter, that. I was, is Scooter Computer on the Schoolhouse Rock Yeah, it's on, it's on the four-disc uh, I probably CD I have it then. I, probably the ha I have it at home then. Yeah, and then they had lost one of them. It wasn't on YouTube or anything for 25-something years, and I found it on a VHS tape a year or two ago, and I dubbed it into the computer, and I put it out on YouTube. People so all, copied four, it all four of them are out there? Yeah, all, all four, four of them are out there episodes. Yeah. How long were they? How long with the scooter computer and Mr. Three Zips? minutes. Three two minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Do, can long. you still do scooter computer's voice? Can you still do any of that? Or is, are you, well, is, is your, voice, is mature, my voice, your voice mature too much? Yeah, I mean, the, the yeah. end of it is, um, uh, shoot. Uh, there's just no end to what we do with Mr. Chips around. Which was higher, you know, my yeah, voice was a, a higher pitch. I was yeah. belting out high C's and whatever, you yeah. know, when I was a kid. So. I sound a little a great experience to work. With I would hope that something happened to me <laughs> in you, life. You get a little mature. Yeah, now, a little did, bit. was it cool to work for the Schoolhouse Rock folks? And well, again, I was going to New York City. It was my first experience in a recording studio in Manhattan, in on Madison Avenue. You know, in the booth there, and uh, I, it was just incredible to have these kind of experiences. Bob Doro, who's the guy who wrote most of it, was uh, the guy who wrote Three. It's magic number. Yeah, sure, great. He's the guy who wrote it, and I met him, and you know, contacted him years later on. My, the my favorite Schoolhouse Rock is 
Lolly, 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 get your adverbs lally, here. Lolly, 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 get, get your, your adverbs here. here. There you go. Father, yeah. son, and but, lolly, get your, yeah. But, so what happened was then, and right after that, um, Reagan, Ronald Reagan, yeah. pulled the law that said that this was a requirement to have this kind of programming on during Saturday morning cartoons, and Menudo came in. Menudo, oh, yeah. right? And that was the death of Schoolhouse Rock. Now they've... Now, they're now making some new ones. They yeah. had a revival a couple of years ago, and people like, are getting into it. Like possibly Nickelodeon or, or Disney or somebody. Or somebody's getting well, Disney it. owns it now. Disney owns it. Oh, so it's ABC. Yeah, ABC it's Disney. You're right. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So that's me. Yeah. What a what a wonderful what a wonderful uh, beginning to a, a a young man's career for you to be able to do that. Yeah. What a fun fun time for you. It's amazing. Yeah, it was quite fun. Now now doing uh, scooter computer and Mr. Chips. I mean that's a lot. I mean it's, you've gone full circle. Now you're into the world. Of, of marketing. Now, when you were young, obviously marketing was different when we were young. Um, when you after college, what did you do uh, for a career right out of college? Were you a screenwriter? Did you try to do that, or did you? Well, okay. So, uh, first off, I, I I was you know I got the President's Award in Theater Arts, which was awarded by Thomas Kane. I I was in the musical uh, Into the Woods. I was Jack and Into the Woods. Oh, I love that. And, were, you, uh, were you were you with um, the ma- the uh, original cast, or you were later down the road? No, this was in college. Oh, in college. college. Okay, okay So in one year, what a great musical. I did the sound musical. design. I did the you know I was in the musical. I wrote one of the plays. I da 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 da. No, you did I mean, it all. They were like you know gave me this award for like being a maniac. So I'm up being here. Being a maniac. You know I'm up here like I'm work. the king of the world. Sure. In my little college campus of theater and arts majors. And then I got out of school and I go to work at a Radio Shack. Mm, why not? Selling computers and all that. And the funny thing about, I, I guess me too, and maybe, you know, I don't know, this has to do with socializing or whatever. I thought, you know, I'm working on my work or whatever in my little writing cave, but I never got out and like sold it. You know what I mean? Like made connections or now, like here, we have networking, like yeah. everybody oh, business networks and yeah. all this kind of stuff. So I didn't do any of that. So then... Eventually, that just kind of, uh, you know, faded out. And then I got, yeah, um, my parents sent me through graduate school. Uh, and I got a master's in communications and studied television at Montclair State University. And then I thought, wow, you know, I'm going to be, I'm a master's degree in You're communication. You're going to be a producer. Produce yeah. my, yeah. this is my TV show idea, yeah. NBC. You know, here we go. Well, I've worked, I've worked course, for you. Come they on. Said, they said, well, you can be a page you know, at NBC, give out flyers and take sure. the tour and an intern. Yeah. And I was like, you know, forget this, you know, whatever. But it's funny because I was also doing stand-up comedy at the time and Jim Voss, Rich Voss, and Jim Norton and a bunch of other comedians were there with me in the 90s at a place called the Struss Factory. Vinny Brand, hello, if you're out there. Um, he still runs this And this club is New York in, or New Jersey? No, New Brunswick, New Jersey. Uh-huh, New he Jersey. gave me my first little paying gig as a, as a comedian in New Jersey. So I quit that too eventually. I was just kind of like, well... You know, what type of comic were you? Were you situational? Were you were you topical? Well, a true, a true, or edu- or, you know, politi- well, you talk political? about you talk about all of it. Great comedy is the truth, and it's your real life. Right. When people t- get up there and they start to tell dirty jokes or make up these stories that you know yeah. didn't happen to them, I'm fun. already I'm already turned off because I I don't believe you. I don't believe that that actually happened. Comedy is from your from your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly. what you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would talk, I would talk about um. My mom a lot, and um, my mom was absolutely crazy. She would bring up the most awful, <laughs> most depressing things Aww. at totally the wrong times. One time we we're all sitting around at the at, you know this big holiday you know occasion, and she goes, "Now let's just say, hypothetically speaking, of course, that your father and I are flying in an airplane, 
high over the Atlantic. And the engine catches on fire. And we plummet him down to a watery grave. And you, Rob, you have to identify our burned, crisp bodies. I just want you to know that our wills are upstairs in my dresser drawer, third row down left, behind my underwear, in a fireproof tin box. <laughs> she would tell you this. I'm like, Ma, it's Christmas Day. <laughs> Trying to open presents, enjoy ourselves. So that's all. So, I mean, it was like true life stuff. That, sure. That then I went to Steve Rosenfield. It's still there, the Stand-Up Comedy Institute in New York City. And I took classes. And he, he, you know, you ramble on about the things that happen in your life. And then he picks them out. I always wanted to do, wanted to teach people how to do stand-up. Because sure. I, I, I have this teaching It is background. an art. It's an art. It's an art, it's an to, get, art. to take the story and, you know, punch it up, as I yeah. say. Get the timing right. Get the pauses right in it. So that it becomes, you know, a great stand-up act. Who was one of your comic heroes back then? I mean, who did you just love? I, I love, I'm, some of mine are, you know, Jonathan Winters, George Carlin, oh, yeah. um, Bob, Bob, Bob Newhart. Those were my heroes oh, yeah. in, in comedy and voiceover. Who were who some of yours? Uh, well, definitely uh, Robin Williams. And sure. I absolutely loved, because he was kind yeah, of philosophical, of, 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 was uh, uh, Stephen, Winters, yeah. Stephen Wright. Oh, yeah. I bought some powdered water. I didn't know what to add. Yeah, you know, it's like Reservoir yeah. Dogs when he does the whole voiceover thing. Yeah. I thought that was, uh, you know, I thought that was brilliant and all that. So there was a time there in the '90s, just as I was going to the graduate school, where I was out five nights a week between New York. There was a heyday of open mic nights. They have sure. some here, you know, but uh, where I was out, you know, all on and on and on. So, and then of course I stopped doing that. So we, so since I moved here, the first thing I did after my divorce and I moved here. And what year did you move in to Colorado? 2010, February 2010. 2010 so yeah, six years ago. So I've been six years ago. Okay. So my ex-wife at one point, you know, told me, you know, you, you can't do that. You know, you can't do comedy. You can't do these things. So she, that's why she's back in Kansas. Yeah. And I'm well, here doing comedy. But anyway, thanks to and websites and now that's doing You're really doing well. Fine. Yeah. Um. But um. I forget what my train of thought was. I'm going to have a drink. No, your train of thought was you were talking about how you ended up here uh, and getting in. Getting, oh, getting, so I did stand-up. Stand yeah. So I do this bit that goes, um, have, um, have you ever noticed how Frank Oz can only do one voice for all of his characters? So Frank, Frank Oz, the, the, the Muppet, the Muppeteer. The Muppet voiceover who did, guy. Who did Grover on Sesame Street. And, right. And, so uh, here's, he was, so, and he was uh, Ernie. Yeah, so he can only do one. This I mean, is sorry, not, not This is not true. He can't. He's a brilliant guy. But the joke is, is that you know. So he, then I turn on birds. The Empire Strikes Back, or no, I turn on Sesame Street, and there's Grover going. Today we are going to talk about near and far. This is near. This is far. <laughs> near and far. That's an old bit from Sesame Street from the seventies. And then you turn on The Empire Strikes Back. That's the second Star Wars movie. That's yeah, now the eighth one. Star Wars movie of the second yeah, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's Yoda going, Use the Force, Luke. I'm like, Grover, man. Is that you? It's like, did Frank Oz ever get confused in the set of The Empire Strikes Back and be like, Today's use of the Force was sponsored by the letter P. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so that's all. So, yeah. Um, it that's was good fun stuff. to do that's funny that. stuff. It was that's fun good. to that's do good stand original. Up. It's that's very, good original stuff. It's funny when you do stand-up because I did an industry night. It's not, if you did, search Daryl Stern, D-A-R-E-L-L. Stern on at Caroline's, which is the biggest club in New York City. I have a 10-minute oh, yeah. set there in 1996, and that clip is really special because my father and my mother were in the audience. My father passed away a month after that, oh. and I can hear them laughing and all that. But um, oh, wonderful! But uh, what a nice uh, capture! You can you can capture that. 
Yeah, that's but a good when thing you do digital, stand that's up, good thing that videos can so do. So sometimes I do the same bit. Of course, now it's twenty some. It's twenty years since it's I did stand up. It's still funny stuff. Twenty years. And it's gone full circle. I mean, the Frank Oz is Frank Oz bit's very very still funny now. Well, I don't know because I've tried it at the Mercury Cafe when I first moved here, and I looked out at the audience and I go, "My God, these kids don't know who Grover is." Like, like I'm old now. All of a sudden, I realized I had aged. <laughs> no one knows what I'm talking about. No one about. knows who Grover is. On that's not true. Oh, they know who Elmo. They know Elmo. They know the Elmo. ones that came after. So yeah, I don't they know. do. They do. They do know Elmo. I don't know. When we come back, we're going to talk to Dale Stern about how he has made the world of marketing on the internet and on digital broadcasting a thing of his future. And the thing he does very well for others. We're going to talk about that when we get back. My name is Rob Scoggins. This is the Topic Conversation. We are live right here at the Original Brooklyn's every Wednesday night. And we'll be back right after the break. Thanks. Just a kindly reminder, everybody, that the show is brought to you by our official drink, Zing Tea, the official drink of the Topic Conversation. Anytime that you are around the Denver metro area or just around your grocery stores in the United States and Canada, Zing Tea is right there. X-I-N-G-T. You go to X-I-N-G-T.com. That's Zing Tea, the official drink of the Topic of Conversation. I'm your host, Rob Scoggins, and just want to remind you to have a thing for Zing. Zing Tea at your local superstores and your convenience stores around the country. Thank you. We are back, and I am Rob Scoggins. I am your host of the Topic of Conversation. We do it live right here at Brooklyn's, original Brooklyn's, right here in Denver, Colorado, every Wednesday night. So come out and join us if you get a chance to come out of here from 6 to 8 o'clock. We'd love to have you down here in downtown Denver. There's plenty of parking, free parking, a block away from... Um, from light rail and the bus station, and of course we are 100 yards away from where the Broncos play, and that when, when the stadium lights up at night, uh, it is a great, great picture to get, and you can be here and take a picture of that wonderful banner that says number, number 50, that's right, the 50, they won the 50th um, Super Bowl this year, congratulations to the Broncos, a lot of fun. But we are here, and we are talking about marketing, and being a child actor, and being everything. We're here with Daryl Stern, he owns a wonderful company that's now going to help you this is, this is going to help you market yourself. It's very hard to market yourself these days. I mean, everybody has a Facebook page. Everybody has uh, LinkedIn. Everybody has these things, but they don't know what to do with it. They're like, okay, here I am. What do I do? And Daryl Stern, our guest tonight, is here to help us, the marketeer, uh, international marketeer. Uh, here he is, Daryl Stern. How are you? I'm, I'm honored that you would say I can, I can do, I've, I am everything. You are That's everything. Awesome. You wow. know what, you know how everything We're going to break into song. We are. We will, we will break into I am everything. I wish I knew a song from Pippin. I just don't. I, I know do. one. I mean we'll one. Some what's, the one what's the one famous song? Patching the roof. That's it. And pitching the hay is not my idea of a perfect day when you're extraordinary. You got to do extraordinary things. Boom. And that's what he does. He takes he takes you into his into his office into 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 uh, you know he takes you into his life and he he talks to you about your life. What do you want to do? How do you want to market yourself? What what do you really want out of uh, social media? And he does that for you. And he doesn't charge that much. It's a wonderful program. And what do you what do you call the big company? What is the big company called? Well, okay. So the what I noticed in terms of marketing is most marketing copy is features. In other words, it's bulleted lists, home, about us, services, contact us. Bulleted lists of what we do. Sure. We've been in business for 50 years. We love our clients. We Here's the list of things, plumbing, this and that, fixing faucets, whatever. I don't care. You know, I want to know if you can solve my problem. So I believe that marketing is the art of starting meaningful conversations and also that marketing is theater. If done right, it creates an emotional response that 
makes people, you know, react in some way. They, they fill out a form, they, they like a post, they, they retweet, they share something with someone else. People like, people like things that are pretty. Well, not only pretty, but, but somehow meaningful. Sure. So what I started doing was, I noticed that I, I, would, I'm a, I love to brainstorm, I love to think off the top of my head. So I would talk to someone, and, I would, and they would start to tell me about their new product, and I would just start rambling off the whole idea and for that, it. And that comes from your acting background, knowing that, hey, I can, you know, I'm, not, I'm not afraid to tell you how I think, and I, I've, learned your, I've learned your lines, and I'm going to tell you your lines, right? Well, right, exactly. I mean, script writing and all that kind of stuff, and improvisation and all of that. And being part of a show. Exactly, yeah. and being part of a show. So um, then I realized, well, I'm kind of giving away the farm here. So one morning, I'm on the <laughs> Experience Pros radio show, by the way which is on 1690 AM here. It's nationally syndicated. The first Monday of every month, we do the Stern Inbound Marketing Show with Angel and Eric. They are awesome. It's uh, America's number one positive business talk radio show. So one morning I got up and I said, it's called Stern Storming. And I quickly bought the domain name and made the website. This was at like 6 a.m. And I made this whole website that talked about... So you named it before you had a, even owned it. Well, yeah. Well, what I thought was this is two to three hours yeah. of intensive brainstorming with me where I ask you questions such as, well, why? You know, what, why? Yeah, but why did you start this business? Just pretend I'm a client. What would you ask me? Well, I, uh, if you, if you, well, one of the main questions is, okay, so you're doing this podcast and you want this to be the best podcast you know, ever and get the most listeners. So I would say, well, why, with the millions of podcasts, why should I listen to your podcast and subscribe over somebody else's? Mine's professionally done with a crew. Lots of them are professionally done. We have, we have um, wonderful guests. Uh, we have, well, that's true. Yeah, we uh -huh. do. We have wonderful guests, and we are a weekly program, and we, we crank it out every week. Right, but I, would say, see, but I would say be more, let's get specific. In other words, let's go back and say, okay, well, what have been the topics that have been on there and, what, and how deep have you gotten into someone's life yeah. and their background and understanding who they are, you know, that you help bring out the stories I would of say real every, people's every show, lives. Every show. Right, every show. So these are interesting stories about real people who are, who are achieving things in their life. And doing and remarkable take things you in their through. lives. Yeah. yeah, so that then you, you, we want you to listen to this so you can be inspired to maybe take that next leap of faith or believe in yourself or understand too that your childhood and your upbringing and everything that has happened to you in the past is you now and you sure. have to be proud of it. You're your own person that gathers from all these experiences. So that's part of it. And then the next part of it is I, do, I have a bunch of spreadsheets open when I do this stern storming session and you can go to sterndmbdesignmarketbrand.com and click on storming and you'll see it there. So uh, it's a wonderful you list the features... And then we talk about, okay, but what's the benefit of, of, of using your product or service? Now, you may not know this. Maybe you haven't asked. But I say, when was the last time that you asked your podcast audience, what has changed about you? What has happened in your life since you started learning this? And you might get some surprising results. You might get, well, my gosh, Rob, you know, since I started listening to you, you had this guest on here, and that inspired me to do this, and now I'm doing this, and I da-da-da. And all of a sudden I have, you know, a new business or the love of my life came back or whatever it is. And that benefit is what people are want to purchase. The idea behind the way I do marketing is so that someone will call you and say, look, I don't care how much this costs. I don't care how long it takes. I'm sold. I'm sold because I have the hope and desire that you can solve my specific problem. So that's the benefit. Then we get into, okay, well, reverse engineering that. 
People use Google like a, a magic eight ball and they're asking it questions, right? Yeah. So what question or what pain point is the antithesis of that? What, what problem are you, are you solving, right? So that then going to need the desire, the, be, the, the benefit, and then maybe a little bit of the features is the pattern of how to set up a great landing page that will get people to uh, respond. And also I believe too, Every single page of your website, well, first off, I don't build websites. I hate the website design, you know, brochureism. I'm not going to do it. Okay. Yeah, I'm not, I'm just not going to do it. So um, every page of your website is a landing page that should be used to start a meaningful conversation. So always have an ask. You know, the way they have this, you click contact and it says email address message. Yeah. And you're not asking me anything. So ask a question and you'll get the answer because if you ask the right question and someone will respond and go, well, yeah, I'm actually looking for to refinance my home, and I and I was told this interest rate, and I'm confused about this. And you get that email with that all filled out. Oh my gosh, you call them back and you say, well, Bob, yeah, you know, let's talk about this. You were saying you were quoted this interest rate, and let me let me explain how it really works. So what should what should uh, what should our website say to? If we, if they click on you click on contact or click on you know well, enter, enter your email address. What should we ask our guests? Well, what should we for, ask our general public? For instance, if you want to be inspired and learn about you know, fantastic people's lives and their experiences, subscribe, right? That mm -hmm. should be on the bottom of it. And not over in the footer, not way in the corner, like right there when the content end, boom. Like on every single page, there should be that big fat, you know, subscribe to podcast, you know, button. Put it sure. everywhere. Okay. A lot of people, they, you know, you scroll down the bottom of the website and the content just ends. And says, like, you know, we've been in business for 20 years. Okay, thanks. Okay, what, what, what am I supposed to do? Right. Uh, it, it, there's, a web, there's a book out about website usability called Don't Make Me Think. In other words, if someone has to think, like, well, what, what am I supposed to do? They're gone. They're on to something else, some bling, some text, whatever. Really just done. They're on, they're on with their lives. That's, that's why you have a... Okay, if you look at your Google Analytics and you have a high bounce rate, that means that people came to your website and they just left. They looked at a page and they went... Okay. okay, interesting, I guess, but they just left. They went okay. on with their lives and left. Okay. You know, so it, it's almost like kind of um, when you window shop at the mall. Like so if it's how many too much work, they'll just leave. They're like, yeah. Well, if it's not clear to them, it's, it's like Pavlov's dog. We're, we're leading people down the path but by using language that creates an emotional effect that makes me say, wow, I'm, start, I'm starting to trust this person. I'm, having to have, I'm starting to have hope that, I can, that this problem could be fixed you know, all of those kind of things. And then also getting into your backstory and your history. We did, we did a website about a guy who does um, uh, a collection agency here. It's a collection agency. Yeah, but I talked simple, to him and he said, simple job, yeah. he says, my father uh, taught me customer service. Like his father was in business and taught him customer service. And we based the whole homepage around this idea that this was in his blood somehow, that, that training people and teaching people how to treat other people the right way and listen to them and all that. We're talking about collections, you know, when someone calls you to pay a bill. But the whole thing is that he will, he will talk to these people in a way that will get them to communicate and come to a resolution with this, you know, debt and all that kind of stuff. When, um, when you get a client or when you're, you know, when you, have you ever denied anybody? You're like, I, I really don't think I could help you. You're so so not ready for social media you're still not ready to market yourself out here in the world wide web this is world wide web people don't understand when they put their self out there it goes worldwide it's everywhere it's in well, india it's it in india really. china yeah, but, it's in yeah but here's it's the thing in europe it's in south america yeah, 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 yeah. okay wait 
So yes, if you have a domain name, yeah. right, and you and you just like you know, if you were to open this bar, and this is kind of down a street here, and whatever, you might not come up this road or whatever. That doesn't mean that anybody notices it or sees it or comes over to it. You've got to do something to attract people and and bring them in. If there's no exit sign off the digital highway that says "Turn here for the best New York East Coast," you know, draft beer in Denver or something. That I'm not going to exit and I'm not going to come over. Right. You know, I'm not going to come over here. So I get it. When you, when people, um, when people come to you, they say, "Look, I've got Facebook, I've got LinkedIn, I've got Twitter, and I've got uh, Snapchat." Is that enough? I mean, how many social media clubs or how many digi- or apps do you need? I mean, do you, I mean, I've well, seen first, people, I, okay. I go to somebody's webpage. They have 15 of them. They have. You know, Pinterest, no, those right. crazy so, stuff. So it, it depends on what we're doing. If, if we're, if we're, a business doesn't exist without clients. No. I know someone who has 1.1 million likes on this person's Facebook page for their magazine, and it makes them no money at all. Well, that's not good. Right? Because there is no, it's cool, it's pictures, it's, it's emotional, people like it, they all signed up to see these pictures of these people. And and uh, but there's no call to action. There's no marketing. There's no there's no text. There's no content. It's just really cool stuff, and people are looking at it. So in all that, like now it's Snapchat and all this kind of stuff, and I see all these people Snapchatting and showing. And I go, yeah, but even in a blog or Snapchat or whatever it is, I want there to be some sort of call to action, some kind of kinder, gentler way to get people to move towards further communication towards obviously, a sale and clients and lead nurturing and all that kind of stuff. Yes, it's great to have a huge following and be an influencer. Like on Twitter, we have most of the marketing agencies in the world, 18,000 of them, you know, follow us and they're a quote-unquote competition, but it's not. But, and that's, know, how, that, that's, that's, how Twitter, that's how Twitter got their money. And brand, well, that's, well, Twitter's free. But that, no, but that's how have, Twitter makes money. The people who created it sell it to the advertisers. Yeah, Twitter started because of... Um, XML and XML feeds, the old stock, stock right. market ticker tape. Yeah. It's like you having your own little ticker tape you know, feed of whatever you do. So, so if you're asking, well, how many should you I say, well, if your message is clear, you can send out the same meme or picture or branding or whatever on all these platforms, and it should be consistent. Mm-hmm. There is, though, a difference between how you market yourself on, let's say, LinkedIn. If you go to Coca-Cola's Facebook page, versus Coca-Cola's LinkedIn company page. The LinkedIn company page is all corporate and stock market and acquisitions and da-da-da about Coca-Cola. And, of course, the Facebook page is the commercials and, you know, and all that kind of fizzling soda and all that kind of stuff that makes you want to go buy more Coca-Cola. So when I say Facebook to you, what are some of the first things that come to mind? Well, I, 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 first off, there was a thing called America Online. Right, right, with the chat room. AOL. And it was software. You had to install it. This was before a web browser. You and had to install it. And mailed it to you for free. Yeah. You dialed in, and you paid a monthly fee, and, and then you could go into chat rooms. And chat rooms even came before that. There was IRC, Internet Relay Chat, and all these kind of things. I actually made a BBS, a bulletin board service, on two floppy disks. You know, when I was in like seventh, eighth grade, I just programmed it. I mean, you can dial into my BBS, my bulletin board service. So the first part of it is it's a bit of a, a bit of that. It's a bit of, you know, the chat rooms and all that kind of stuff. And then also it's just it's a way for us to, uh, you know, post 
you know, the things that are going on in our lives. Now, the issue with that, like Zuckerberg said, he said, well, now, though, there's no difference, there's no barrier between your private life and, like, your family, like what you would only tell your family, Correct. and your public life. Now, there are settings on Facebook to say, I only want my friends to see this. If you're in business, you can have a Facebook page of yourself. Let's yes. say you're writing a book or you have your podcast. Sure. So you, have it, so you can separate that. So you keep your friends. You know, and it's perfectly fine to say, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not going to friend you. I'm going to, I want you to go like my page and see my updates. And you can message people on there sure. and all that kind of stuff too. So, um, is this answering your question? Yeah, it is. Like I mean, I know people, on? but I know people who have three different Facebook pages of themselves. They have Facebook. Oh, page, I have. I they have, have them Facebook page of them as a realtor. They have a Facebook page of them as a public figure, and then they have their private, regular Facebook page, which their friends and family right uh, can go to. It's right. amazing. I mean, and people do it. I mean, people like it. Um, well, my I, son, my son is 15 years old, and he has told me he is not on Facebook, and he told me Facebook is for old people and girls. Well, now there are now there are new apps. Yeah, that's the thing, and you wonder because we're all on. You know, oh my mm -hmm. God, Facebook went away. Oh my gosh, what is the next generation gonna do? Sure. You know, in 10, 15 years, it'll all Snapchat and something else and right. whatever else other app is coming out. You know, I mean, we, gonna... we went from radio to television mm -hmm. to, 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 to silent movies to talking movies. Right. To film movies to digital movies. And now we're into, now we're into digital, digital broadcasting. That's what we're doing right now. But, okay, but when the VCR came out, I yeah. remember when Scooter Computer was on TV the first time, we ran out and got a VCR. It was a Hitachi thing. It weighed 200 pounds. It was this giant VC. VHS thing, and we bought Pete's Dragon the movie. It was like eighty, oh, ninety dollars. Yeah. Oh, they're doing a remake of it this summer. Yeah, but, but anyway, it's not, a, it's not. It's not the same thing. Yeah, it's not the same thing. But um, uh, so they thought that would kill the movie theater. Well, yeah. movie theaters are doing better now than ever. Why? Yeah. Where's because Blockbuster? Where's Blockbuster? It's a different yeah. experience. It's a different type of thing. So radio isn't gone. No. You know because of television and and. You know, whatever it is, like podcasting isn't going to be over because, oh, now there's Facebook or something else, some other way to do it. I mean, these things exist. But the idea is, if people say, why are you a fan of something? What are you a fan of? Sports. Okay, what sport? Uh, Major League Baseball okay. and NFL. Okay, what about it? Is, uh, why are you a fan? A fan of a specific team? I, 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 like, I like the team. I like the teams. I, just like the, I like the game of baseball because of the camaraderie and what it gives to a community. You go there and everybody's like, yeah, this is cool. Right. In football, uh, I think I like it because it's a game I was not allowed to play as a youth, right. but I love it because it, it's, it's one of the most masculine games out there. Well, yeah, there you go. So, so it makes you feel like a, a dude. Reason. It makes you feel like a dude. Right. So, there's a, so what if we could take that same feeling right, and apply it to your product or service to get that kind of what we call you know, fan base? So, okay. so in sales... Facebook and all this is called lead nurturing. Now, what that means is that someone's interested. You, you, they're gonna buy, and yeah. they go, "Well, I, well, I'm not quite ready yet. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna keep you in mind or whatever." Yeah, come back. So in you a couple get them months, at a trade so we'll show, or you get there, you meet someone in person, you mm -hmm. friend them, you LinkedIn them, whatever. And I've had people come back to me and say, "You know, well, I'm gonna hire you to do the SEO because every 10 minutes you're, you're got something popping up on my Google Plus, some article about SEO. So you mm -hmm. must know what you're talking about." So there's that point where then all of a sudden they, they come back to you, but they will only do that if periodically you are, as I always say, ask for the sale. One of the problems is in marketing, and what I do is, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but I can't, you know, I right. can't do the whole rest of the job. So 
I get them the leads. We do a big webinar. There's 50 people on the webinar. We promoted it. And then it's, yeah, they didn't seem that interested. Hmm. Well, guess what? It takes you time. Pick up the phone. No, but you've got to pick. You got to. I mean, this is New. This is us. You know, New, New York, New Jersey. Not that you have yeah. to be aggressive and be a hard selling kind of person, but still, you do have to follow up and you do have to ask for the sale. In other words, when would you like? You know, can we discuss? When can, this when can to, I come back and see you? Yeah. When, when can we talk again? Well, well yeah. instead of that, no, no, no. But instead of that, you go. Uh, we can talk either Tuesday at three or Wednesday at four. Well, guess what? They're going to pick one of the two. So they go Wednesday at four. Guess what? You just got them to talk to you at Wednesday at four. There you go. You know, there's no open-ended questions. And obviously in sales too, you always ask a question with a question. So I'm developing courses now on how to pull in from, I've never closed a sale without talking to someone on the phone or meeting them in person. Me neither. Even though I do digital marketing, yeah. right? I'm not, I'm not closing the sale on Facebook. People still want to meet invoice. you. They still want to, they want to meet you. They want to talk to you on the phone. They want to, they want to brainstorm. I once had somebody years ago who talked to me and said, you know, is this your first job? Is this your first website? Is this a new business? I said, no, I've been doing this over a decade. He says, but you're so excited about it. Mm -hmm. I said, well, yeah, I'm always excited. I'm, oh, this excites me. And that's earned their trust. And they saw my energy, sure. you know, which you can't, you can't. You, you could do in a video and all that, but still, it's it's a live conversation with people and all that kind of stuff. Is blogging just a personal journal people can read? Uh, it started out as such, but now content marketing is one of the most powerful ways to beat that thing called the SEOs, the search engine optimization. Which I hate that term. It's overused. What, is, what do you mean by that? Explain to us novice and lay people who who don't know all those terminologies. So first off, okay, so Google. The job of Google, right, yeah. is to give you the best answer to your question. Which is Otherwise, they go out search of business. Engine. If you search for something and all the stuff that came up was totally unrelated, didn't make, didn't answer your question, they'd be out of business. It wouldn't work. So they, so the idea of Google is to try and find for you the best, most well-written, most authoritative, most uh, you know trustworthy article or blog or whatever it is about that question that you just asked. Because people believe so, everything they read now on Google or Zillow for, for real estate or, or anything now, they believe the internet tells truth. Like cars.com, that's the truth. I, you know, if, I, if I learn it from outside the internet, it's not real. Well, as Obi-Wan said to Luke Skywalker, you know, the truth is always the truth from a certain point of view. Oh, very good. You know, I yeah. mean, uh, it's your own truth or whatever. But... Um, so, so that's job, where we go back Google's to stern storming. Because yeah. while I'm listening to something, do stern storming, right? Mm -hmm. And you say, well, to do a podcast, you actually need, you know, microphones that have this on them, and, and the streaming service has to have at least 48 hertz to yeah. record it, or else it won't work. Well, that's a great blog for you to talk about because people are searching for podcasts and information about podcasts or whatever, and they'll find you, they'll discover you. They didn't know you existed, but you wrote a great article about that, and then they discover you. Now, the secret is to also have a little marketing spin in there mm -hmm. that at the end of it says, you know, hey, we would love it if you would, you know, uh, if you need some inspiration, you'd like to hear some great stories, or maybe has a choice down the bottom and says, well, what do you like the most, business, art, or science? And then they click on science, and they go, well, here are all, all the episodes that we've done in science. Right. And then it says, well, make sure to subscribe, you know, before you leave, because we want whatever. So, I mean, again, you're leading people down the path. There's always a call to action. There's always a little marketing spin on it. How hard is this for like someone who's off the street starting a company? 
find you, how hard, how long does it take from the process of you starting with them to, wow, they're out there in the internet and this is, this is working for them? Okay, so there's a difference between marketing and advertising. Okay. Okay, and marketing is simply staying visible to your target audience, the people that would like you, you know, that would value your business the most. I always say, when people say, what do you do? I say, well, I'm going to ask you a question, Rob, okay? What if every one of your ideal clients, the people that would love your podcast the most, understood the true benefit of your podcast? How would that affect your podcast subscribers? We'll go through the, you get everybody, you get everybody in the world that's interested in this. Well, that's what we're searching for. We're searching for how to convey through pictures and text and video and audio or whatever, that benefit to pull the people in and have them say, yeah, I'm really into this, you know? So, so to go back to what you said, marketing is, I, I, it's people always want to know how long does it take? Yeah. I want to make I some wanna, money. I want to go. I want to think. Come on. So that's the, I always say, well, how long would this take? And how that, and I, I started my business to be, be ethical. The one word I do a marketing exercise where I say, describe your business in 10 words and five words and one word. My one word is ethics. Because I tell the truth. I'm the pen and teller of all this stuff. So they say, well, how long does it take? Or whatever. I say, I have no idea. I don't know There's how no long is it going to take yeah. to go to, I can give you an approximation. But I also say this. So how committed are you to your business? Is this just a side hobby? You're going to maybe give it up in a couple months? Or is this your life's passion that you're going to pass this along to your kids? You're going to have an exit strategy. It's going to go on for generations. And most people say, it's going to go on. You know, I want I this want to, to yeah, retire. I want to pass it on. I want to have some impact on the world. And I say, well, that's how long we have to do marketing. The it entire never time. stops. It never, it stops. never ends. Now, couple that with some strategy, which is writing and doing the, you know, the keyword research and looking at this and looking at the blogs and looking at the measurement of what, who responds to what and how many, what your actual cost per lead is. You know, you do an ad and then you sell this much. You got 10 leads and it generated $50,000 in sales or whatever, how much that costs. Um, that journey is, is ongoing and content marketing blogging is this. So you go to the public library and someone says, and there's a pamphlet there, like how to podcast. And it's by you. It's three pages. Or you go, the ultimate manual to how to podcast and the history of podcasting and everything. And I'm doing this research paper. I want to hire a podcaster or whatever. Well, I'm checking out that big, thick book out of the thing. So this is what I tell my clients. I say, we have to write that book. It takes years. Sure it does. It, it's not, it, it has to be consistent, and it takes a very, very long time. It, when you start a website, you start a business, you are an intern on the ground floor. You are in the mailroom of Google. Yeah. You're not going to take the elevator and knock on the CEO's door and say, hey, bye, hey, I want a chance here. Look at my idea. He's not going to see you. You're not going to get an appointment. You've got to work your way. Yeah, up the ladder. Now, the flip side of that is advertising is come on down, get this 20% off, da da da. So, you put the two together with inbound marketing and this concept that we're targeting people with specific needs and desires. And yes, tomorrow I can set up a landing page, put it on Facebook with a cool, you know, thing that leads people to click, you know, that link, and I can boost it. I can put money behind it. And tomorrow, these targeted people are seeing it. Now, I, I've got to do my demographic research. I can put in filters and say, well, I only want to target people between this age and that age or women that are into fashion or something or whatever it is. Um, so you can start to do that, you know, right away. But again, when you pull the plug on that, that's it. It's, right. it's gone and the advertising ends and that's and, it. And you don't pay your web, web dues anymore. Like, exactly. You don't pay GoDaddy so, or somebody and it's over. For instance, I, I don't like people that are into quantity, like 
Please like my Facebook page. Everyone, please like it. Please like my Facebook page. I say, why? 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 It doesn't do like, anything. What for are you, you going to do? Like, if you bake cookies and you make recipes, then you put, if you, you know, when you like my Facebook page, I'm going to post a new recipe every day. So, all of you people that love to cook and have always thought this was frustrating, I'm going to teach you the exact way to cook the perfect cookies. We're going to come out with a new recipe every weekend. Like my Facebook and page. And you can buy likes. Then, you can buy what? likes now. Right. But, yeah, yeah. But, but but the but then only the people that are in your target market that would be interested in eventually buying that are gonna and that's all that I want. I don't want everyone. I want those that are interested, interested in that, in that and they're the ones that are gonna participate and share it and like it and all that kind of stuff. What company? I mean, how long have you been doing this? I mean, how long uh, have you decided well, to, do, to do to do uh, stern storming? I well, stern storming is I've been doing it all along, sure. but now I've named it and people actually. You know, they're paying me to do brainstorming. I insist on it. It costs $300. You spend three hours with me. It's a small financial commitment, but I insist on it. Yeah. Because I say, we've got to sit down. We've got, I've got to pull out, just like you were pulling out of me, like my life story and all that kind of, Mm -hmm. I've got to do what, in sales or whatever, it's called the discovery session. You know, it's, it's, where are you? Why? Um, So... Uh, when I was in my first big corporate job in web design and marketing was at a company called Syncsort right. in 2000 to 2002. And I was shocked. This was during the dot-com boom. And they said, uh, you know, they, at that time, all the big ad firms in New York City were just saying, oh, we can do websites, you know, and all this type of stuff. Yeah, okay. And everything, the cost of everything was astronomical. I mean, $90,000 a year for SEO. And the report that we got was from a com- was from a software called Web Position Gold, which I could tell by the way it was printed out that you could buy at CompUSA, that's an old computer store back east, you know, for twenty dollars. And I said something is wrong here. This is you know, this is unethical. Mm-hmm. So when my mom passed away, I-, I decided, you know, I'm gonna branch off and I'm gonna start my own, you know, quote unquote ethical business. And now, here it is. I've learned a lot about that because. You do have to have something called a profit margin. Yes. You do have to have, you know, uh, some things going on here that, yeah. that uh, you know, that run the business and all that kind of stuff. That's why I have a CFO now. Her name is Felicia Jones. She's at Keep Up With Mrs. Jones. It's an awesome CFO for my company and handles all the numbers and all that kind of stuff. But um, still today, you know, I just talked to somebody who just got ripped off by an SEO company and it's funny because and SEO you think by now, SEO well, search engine optimization, yeah. but it doesn't mean anything. No, no one knows so what the heck that, that is. When, okay, so here's some tips. If an SEO company says that they're not going to touch your website, right? They're just going to SEO something, backlinks, something else there in cyberspace, and they can't show you what it is. Make they can't you release number, the formula. Make you number one on Google, they can't right? show you the links. <laughs> That's a bunch of BS. And, when, and also, you have to make sure that you own, you go get your own map listing, your own Bing map listing, your own domain name, oh, your own everything, yeah. because they will make these listings and then tell you, oh, well, you know, we own it. We yeah. can't give it back to you. And that's when you call a lawyer. Right. But so SEO is not, I don't like that term. I like the term SXO, which is search experience optimization, which I'm, I, we're the customer. Sure. human beings this is a tool right just like a calculator or whatever so we're optimizing the experience for the person that's searching to pull them in to bring them through like for instance meta tags right little descriptions you see on google on a listing that's really an advertisement to get you to click correct you know, the blog or whatever so it's not just five tips to fix your toilet 
right? Yeah. It, it's something a bit more interesting. Like, did you know that this actually does this? Read more. You know, we want everything has to be have that marketing spin and that thing that makes people go, hmm, hmm. I need to I need to check this out. The the whole the whole concept of of, of, inter, of internet uh, designs and internet um, types is is really up to the, the the individual on what they want to do with their website, and then they come to you and say, look. I need help. I want to. I want to put it out there, and you say, "I'm going to talk to you for three hours. I'm going to help you through this. Uh-huh. I'm going to, you know, kind of interview you, tell you, uh, tell you who I think you are and who I, what I think your business needs, right. and and then they go out and do it." You, well, no, well, you no, hold help. on. No, you. So do, what happened? How do you make someone quickly rise on Amazon? So, how do you make someone quickly rise on Facebook? Well, hold on. So, so at the end, uh, okay. So when we do the stern showing, we actually sit down and like write copy. We, we, we come up with a whole content marketing list of all these blogs that you should write. We'll, sometimes I've written a whole website like in this three-hour period, like how the whole thing should work and what all the outline is of it and the actual copy of it. Then I always say, when they say, well, how much does this cost or whatever, I say, well, it depends on who's doing the labor, right? Ah. Am I, on some of my clients, I act as you, Rob, Mm-hmm. on LinkedIn, on Google+, on Facebook. I am you. I become you. I get to know you so much I can beat like an actor, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? Like an actor. I'm acting, I'm playing the role of you and discussing and linking and trying like to get publicist. people. Like a publicist. Like a publicist, right? Exactly. So it depends on who is doing what. I mean, just like, you know, what frustrates me are people that just want to dip their foot in the pool. You yeah. know, they just want to, they want to do a little and see if it works. And I go, it's not going to work. You gotta be able to you put can't, yourself you up can't. There. I'm, I'm an all-in kind of guy, and bada-boom, you know, New York City, you pull the trigger on me, and we're flying. So how long has, how long has the company been going, Stern? Well, the, this iteration of it started in 2010. Before okay. that, I was in Kansas from 20, 2006 to 2010. So six years. And then, my fir- no, and then my first business started in 2002, and that was called Jersey Visions. And that was 2002. And be- way before that, in 1998, I tried to write a book about how the Internet worked. You know, and I had a, a site called Advice and Design, because I thought this. Mm-hmm. It was AADSN.com, and I thought, this internet thing, right? Yeah, what sure. if I get a domain name that has two A's in the front of it, right? I'll come up for alphabetical order, right? Yeah. I'm, I've cracked the code. Like, like triple internet. A, triple A. Yeah, yeah, so we were doing SEO, quote-unquote, before there was a Google. You know, there was Excite and Yahoo and DMOZ, which is the, org, which is the people, you know, donating to the internet directories and all this other kind of stuff. How can people find you if they want to... Get in touch with you and and and, and uh, earn your and earn your intellect and, and find out how they can uh, stern storming or storming stern or storm storming with you. How can they find you? It's stern storming. <laughs> and, uh, and okay, so you can go to stern s t e r n d m b, which stands for Design Market Brand or Dog Mary Boy, you know, dot com, or you can just go to stern storming.com to find out just about that and if you go to sterndmb.com there's a button there that actually says storming my logo says it says stern so stern people say well you know what you, what is that you know is your name what, what, what that's your company i go well stern is german for star so that's why you stand on the stern of the ship to guide the ship by the stars and my father was in the merchant marines in world war ii i'm a nautical kind of person i love all the you know boats and sailboats and all that kind of stuff so that's the idea is that you it's you know you tell us the master plan here you're the captain and you wanted to get the merchandise right out on the ship across the sea and wherever and we're going to navigate and be the shipman and the crew that gets you through that his website is 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 wonderful it's interactive and it has ships and water on it it's it's really cool website 
he, he is passionate about this. He wants to help you. He is, uh, his enthusiasm is just bleeding through the mic. If you haven't already heard him, uh, he wants to help. He's Daryl Stern, and he just is right here in Denver, Colorado. And guess what, folks? You don't have to live in Denver, Colorado to get his help. Um, he can do a Skype thing with you. He could probably mm-hmm. talk to you over the phone. You yep. don't have to be a resident of Colorado to, to do all this stuff. Uh, I thank you so much for being here. Are you ready for Rob's Fast Five questions? Oh, my gosh. Okay, yes. Okay. I have no idea what this is, but yes, I have fast... <laughs> yeah. I mean, so explain the rules first. Um, you ask me a question. I, I, yeah, it's fast five questions. I'm going to ask you five questions. You have no idea what they are, right. and it takes you a few minutes to answer them. Okay. So you don't False. Have... Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when you were growing up, what was the favorite character that you liked to mimic? Mine was Elmo. Elmo, Elmo. <laughs> Elmo like you. <laughs> that was my favorite. Well, my inspiration is Disney, so it's... Okay. <laughs> I'm Mickey Mouse. <laughs> you like Mickey Mouse? I like Mickey Mouse. Mickey yeah. Mouse was, your, was like your, kind of your muse. Yeah, or that nice. guy, or the, or the um, gangster on the, um, on the um, Bugs Bunny commercials. Man, Bugsy, man, button your lip, say, man. That's the one. Those, those like, are, those, I like yeah. that voice. Uh, I did too. Button your lip. When, um, when you realized that you had the gift of gab and had the gift of... Of, 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 of writing a script and, and enjoy creating characters on paper. What is something that, as an adult now and in and, and your years that you've grown in the, in the industry and business, what type of story would you write now? What, what do you want to write as a screenplay if you went back into it? Well, what I'm doing, what I'm working on now, my new project is, you know, obviously I'm in a service-based industry, so I'm helping you market yeah. you. And I've been doing that for, you know, 20 years, but... Now I'm going to write a book this year. My, my friend from college told me, I, I told him years ago, I said, uh, I'm going in circles. I always feel like a life, I'm just going in circles, making the same mistakes over and over again. And he says, you're not going in circles, you're spiraling upward. Yeah. So that's the name of my book. And it's going to be about, you know, d- divorce and deaths in the family and all these things that hit at you and all the people that try to take advantage of you and all these things that, that you, this, this everything that you have to deal with. I'm pushing through it to have that self-worth and to have success in your life. Do you life. have a working title right now for that book? Yeah, I just said it? it. It's called Spiraling it's Upward. Co- it is called, called Spiraling Upward. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah, see? Yeah. Pay attention. Pay attention. Thanks, Muggsy. Yeah. Um, the, uh, <laughs> when, how long have you been divorced? Uh, it's funny that, it's funny. So when my mother passed away, she told me, there's going to be five stages of grief, you know, anger, regret. So yeah, yeah. it took about six and a half years. So. I've been divorced, what, six years? Six, six years. Six and a half, okay. six years. You so it's funny, when you ask me, I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's so, in a good thing. Yeah, six yeah. years. So, uh, so you've been divorced for six years. You were, you, living, you were living in Kansas City then, or you live in... No, it, it, not Kansas living? City. Where it's funny. Living? So Kansas is as wide as Florida is tall. Yeah. So I was out in the western part of Kansas, just 250 miles east of here in Denver. Okay. In a place called Oberlin, Kansas in Decatur County. Okay. You, after your divorce, you could have chosen anywhere to live in the country. And I mean anywhere. You could, you could have started this business anywhere. Why did you choose Denver, Colorado? Well, there, okay, from, I just kind of landed here. Because we were coming out here, me and my ex-wife, to, you know, to go shopping and all that and go back to Kansas. And when the divorce happened, I, 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 was, I did the bravest thing I ever did in my life, which was say, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to end this and go. There's something bigger for me out there. And... This just isn't working. So um, there were no moving vans or nationwide trucks that could move my stuff back to New Jersey or, you know, Florida, where my brother and my uncle are. So I literally just came here, Googled an apartment, cashed out the last of the last of my inheritance, got an apartment. It was me on a folding chair, got a bed. 
I'm just started here. Are. That's it. That's a wonderful. That's, that's great. great. I didn't pick this. So you didn't, it's you almost never, like it's almost. Like, I used to think it's almost looking at a globe and putting your finger on it. Going, so they say Denver is the Mile High City. It wasn't until yeah. my thirties that I w- I'd ever been west of the Mississippi. So. When I heard Denver is a mile high city, I thought you drove up to it and there was like this elevator you put your car on and it went like way up like on a plateau, like up high on a mountain plateau. Mile high city. Mile high city, I get it. But yeah, so, and then it's, ta- you know, now, thanks to the people that I've met here, the first thing that I did was I, was I, was I, someone mentioned meetup.com, yeah. which I love. Sure, meetups and, and I the, still love all the thing. social media. Mm-hmm. So social if, you ever, if you live here in Denver, you can find me on, you know, Facebook or around, and you ever want to go sing karaoke, I love singing karaoke. It's what I do for my, you know, my spare time and all that. So I joined a karaoke group, and that was the first social experience. Me and the crew will you go know, with I started you. We'll go with you. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Yeah, we'll our meetups later tonight. Yeah, over we'll, in, on Lincoln. We'll, the kids and I will go with you. All right. All right. And and um, what's your favorite karaoke song to sing? Uh, Mac the Knife. Oh sure. Or New York, New York. Oh yeah. Or No One Is to Blame, Howard Jones. Uh, and then I do a mean Eddie Vedder. I do uh, Jeremy. Oh, I like Jeremy Spokane. Now that both your parents are gone, mm-hmm. and I mean, I mean, deceased. Um, what are you most proud of, and what, what would you want them to know that you've done since they've been gone? Oh, my God. Yeah, make them. Oh, my God. Um, well, okay, so here's the thing. I read a book about this, and they, it said that losing your parents is one of the most liberating things that happens in your life, because while they are alive, you always have to please them, make them proud. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, appease them, make sure that they are still approve of what you're doing or whatever. And now that they're gone, it's incredibly liberating. I mean, and my and my mom told me, and my dad, you know, they said, look, it, 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 generation passes to the next generation. Now it's your turn. Yeah. It's our turn. It's our turn to so be old. So here it is. It's our turn to have our life and our adventure. So they're in me. I believe that, you know, and even in genetics and the, the things they taught me, my dad always used to say, you know, use your bread as a pusher. <laughs> when you're eating, you know, you take a piece of bread and push mm-hmm. the salad on the fork. Whenever I'm eating, you know, I push the, you know, the piece of bread. Use the bread. Uh, all, all, so use your bread I as don't, a pusher. I like that. So yeah, I don't, I don't. It took a long time, but no, I don't, I don't think about them. You know, I don't think about them. Yeah. I mean, I just this is my own new life, and I'm always forward facing. I'm always, uh, you know, uh, as Yoda says, you know, always your mind on the future, the past, never your mind on where you are now. What you are doing, you know, as a Jedi way, be present. Yeah. Be present right here in the moment. Listen, we're having this conversation. I'm in the moment here. And I don't have a care in the world as what happens after this or what happened yesterday. Or, or we're right here. Daryl Stern, what is the most grueling thing? Is it going to the dentist or buying a car? Which one's more grueling for you? Uh, well, which, I, one's more, which one's most unpleasant for you? Well, buying I, a car, going to the dentist. When I got, the, I, 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 I started with the cigarettes back 20-something years ago. Okay. And when I moved here, I don't know whether it's the dryness or whatever. I also, start, I chain smoked a huge amount. I used to be uh, like a 44 or 48-inch waist. I'm now a 36. Do you still smoke? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, well, yeah. And so cigarettes are an appetite suppressant. So in terms of teeth, I finally said, forget it. And I have dentures now. Okay. So. Yeah, so they took out dentures. So... To me, going to the dentist is no big deal. Now. Yeah, so <laughs> they're just, they're just low maintenance. I just pop them in and smile. I, I, but um, <laughs> but buying a car, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, no, I don't like that. I don't like, 
I don't like manipulative people. I don't like lawyers that are kind of like, you know, secretly billing you for their things they don't explain. I don't like people that aren't ethical. Yeah. I go, look, this just, you just don't. Where on earth would this be acceptable? Like, and my line is always, and you would say, yeah, mm-hmm. back in New York City, this would never fly. No. Your competition would clobber you. Absolutely. You would not be in business with this type of customer service. So no. I don't know if that answers the question. It does. Thank you so much for being here. Guys, you never know. If you're around the Denver metro area, you might see Daryl Stern at a karaoke bar. So you, you just look mm-hmm. out. If it says Daryl, you're like, hey, I, I heard you on a podcast. Uh, thank you so much for being here. We're going to we, we, we're gonna follow your career, and we're very excited that you've been a part of us here at the Top of Your Conversation. Yeah, sign up for this podcast. This is an amazing uh, podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe and follow what Rob is doing because it's, it's awesome. This is a really, really, really great show. Thank you so much. And Daryl Stern's going to help us, guys. So he's, he's going to help the, the show grow. So we're very excited to have him as a part of the Topic of Conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm Rob Scoggins. I'm your host of the Topic of Conversation, and I just want to thank you all for tuning in and listening live here at Audience and, of course, all over the podcast world. And I just want to kindly remind you to listen, talk, and laugh as much as you can. Wake up every day with a purpose to do good things for you and others, and you never know, you might be right here in downtown Denver at the original Brooklyn's as our Topic of Conversation. Thanks again. Have a great day, and good night.